Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Season two of the Flourishing Therapreneur is brought to you by Thryzer. Thryzer provides therapists with an end-to-end, out-of-network billing support for their clients. Are you in private practice and want to support clients in getting reimbursed with their super bills and other out-of-network expenses, but don't have the bandwidth to do it alone? Look no further. Thryzer submits all of your insurance claims after every appointment to get faster reimbursement for your ideal clients. And even better, they handle all denials and slowdowns so that clients don't have to stress or contact insurance at all. The riser is affordable and seamless. It's absolutely free to sign up and the processing fee is only 3%. Partnering with Thryzer is an awesome way to make your private pay practice more accessible while positively improving your client experience, thus impacting your client retention and increasing your professionalism for your private practice. Better yet, The onboarding process is seamless and it's super easy to onboard clients and get started. So what are you waiting for? Check out the link in the show notes and use the code flourish to begin your three week free trial. Hello, and welcome to the flourishing therapreneur. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. And today I'm going to talk about four ways that you can begin laying a foundation. If you are a pre-licensed therapist and your goal is one day private practice, And I would even argue that this episode is also for anyone that even is licensed, but maybe doesn't work in private practice yet and is beginning to kind of cultivate that vision or has that intention. So let's begin. I first want to say a disclaimer that with anything business related, I am sharing from a perspective of where I live, which is California. And so if you're a licensed or a pre-licensed individual in a different state, some of this is not going to apply to you because every state is licensed and has different regulations and has different rules and protocol. But if you are in California, I just want to say a friendly reminder to always consult with if you're a member of CAMP or whatever association you're a part of, if they have lawyers available that specialize in therapists um, in supporting them and answering questions. You always want to consult a lawyer um, to really make sure that you're in compliance with your regulations. The worst thing you could do is make a mistake and then, you know, have that sabotage your future. So make sure you're in compliance. So for example, in the state of California, if you are an associate therapist or a trainee, 
um, you cannot open a private practice. You cannot have a business as um, a therapist or a psychotherapist. So you really want to get clear on those rules and you really want to stay in compliance and in integrity with those um you know, limitations and those boundaries. But if you are an associate and let's just say you are in a private practice, but someone else's. So for example, you found a therapist that has a private practice in your town. They have a supervisor ability. And um, so that means they've been licensed for at least two years by the state of California. And um, they want to onboard you as a W-2 employee um, because you cannot be at 1099 uh, associate, you have to be a W-2 employee. It kind of protects us in that way. So let's just say that's your situation. You're under someone else's private practice umbrella. So all of your branding and all of your kind of marketing should always be in compliance with what our state you know, says, which in California, it's making sure that you're listing your supervisor, their number, that you're supervised under them, making sure that you're really clear to the public what an associate marriage and family therapist is, or if you are a different associate of a different um, degree, um, making sure that ours is articulated well. Um, and there's a lot of legality. So definitely consult with your association to just make sure you're doing that right. But you never, as a pre-licensed associate, you do not want to give the perception that you own a business because you don't. And that's where it can get tricky. So as I'm listing out some of these ideas, I want you to keep that at the forefront of your mind. You want to make sure you're in integrity with when you tell people that you're in private practice, it's not private practice as your own. It's private practice under my licensed therapist, or I'm in uh, private practice or beginning the steps, but I'm working in someone else's business. So those are just things to keep in mind. So four ways that you can proactively build your opportunities and your future private practice. Some of these are kind of easy and some of them are hard, but the first one is really just build connections. And so let's just say you are still in grad school and you have professors that you're connecting with or supervisors, get to know them, treat them to coffee, pick their brains, um, really collaborate and, um, be proactive too. Like if you are already getting a sense, if you're in grad school, or maybe you're already in the thick of your clinical hours, think about what will your future self thank you for. So if you're getting a sense of maybe a deficit in your training or an area that you want to improve. So for example, I knew that I wanted to focus on eating disorders and body image. And so I was intentional to, you know, network with local eating disorder therapists and take them to coffee and ask, you know, how did you grow your business? You've been in practice for 20, 30 years. Can you teach me like what this climate looks like here? Or are there certain trainings that you did that you'd recommend? So really don't be afraid to put yourself out there and network. Um, and that can be as easy and as hard as, you know, attending a local meetup for therapists. And I know sometimes this can be cringy or feel uncomfortable, but when you think of networking and you think of meetups as opportunity to make relationships and to ask just like real questions, and it doesn't always have to be work related. It can be human related. It can be getting to know them as a friend or a colleague or learning what they do in their free time or how long they've lived in whatever city you live in. Um, so it doesn't have to be stiff. Um, but really, I would say some of the connections that have really furthered my reach have been the relationships I've built with professors, with other therapists that have been seasoned in practice for a while, with agencies that have an overlap of the populations that I work with. That has been so valuable. And it was valuable when I was 
trainee was valuable when I was an associate and it's even more so valuable now. And those relationships continue to build. Uh, kind of takeaway with this piece is maybe set a goal for yourself. I don't know what you're holding in your schedule, but maybe your goal is simple. Maybe it's, you know, email two different people a month and just start to build relationship. Or maybe it's every quarter, every couple months, you know, take three therapists out to coffee. Or maybe it's pouring into your cohort or your community or your supervisor group or um, whatever that looks like. Um, get creative and make it fun. Like these are people that I would say like, I, I feel like some of my closest and dearest friends are therapists and there is a gift in having deep friendship with therapists and they get us in ways that only therapists can get us. And they hold space in ways that, you know, make some really great therapists, but also really great friends. So don't be afraid to open up and begin those relationships and those building, building steps to really connect. The second piece of advice that I would say that is really helpful is same piece that thinking of what your future self will thank you for. And with that is being intentional to go to CEU events or to spend time with licensed clinicians. So sometimes it's easy to like want to stay in our bubble and only hang out with our cohort or our supervision group or um, to say, oh, I don't even get CEUs yet because I'm not licensed. So I don't really want to do more work. And obviously check in with yourself and your schedule because maybe you are in the thick of grad school and maybe that is not the right time, but maybe as you begin your clinical hours and you're wanting to deepen your practice in certain areas, CEU events, especially ones that are in person are phenomenal networking opportunities. And you have the opportunity, especially if it's a topic you're passionate about or wanting to deepen, you get to meet other people that work with that specialty. And it's such an invaluable way to connect and um, just meet people you would never meet otherwise. I also cannot encourage you enough to not just be with people in your season. So if you are an associate, be friends with people that are licensed, learn from them. It is so valuable to have friends that are two or four or five or 10, 10 years ahead of you in the process. And it doesn't have to be someone that's your age. It could be someone in a different, even complete season of life as you, but it's so valuable to, to be a couple steps behind someone. But also it's in the same breath, so valuable to be friends and in community with people that are a few steps behind you. So then you can be that encouragement to them and really pay that that forward in terms of things you're learning and things you're doing. But I know for me, I have a good friend named Tiana and a good friend named Jen, and they both have been on the podcast. They both have been like a few years ahead of me and taking courageous steps before I took them, like launching private practice, doing a cash pay practice, I'm taking on associates, you know, things like that, that were also my goals. And it really was helpful to, um, to learn from their mistakes, to learn from their victories. I have just learned so much about being a therapist and a business owner and building a private practice from even just their friendships. Um, so I really recommend that. Also to keep in mind, there's other associations. So I'm speaking from the lens of being an LMFT. So I'm a part of CAMP, um, but there's also AAMFT, there's MSW chapters, there's the Psychological Association chapters. So don't be afraid to mix with other therapists in different licenses, because those are also such valuable connections. And there's a lot of networking that can happen and a lot of other opportunities you might learn about. Um, some of the best referral building has stemmed from me going to these, you know, get togethers and being the only pre-licensed person in the room. Like when I first started going to these, 
I felt like not only was I like 30 years, 40 years younger than people, but I also was the only pre-licensed personnel oftentimes in the room. And that can sometimes feel intimidating, but that can also be such a strength. Like I was able to, you know, have camaraderie with people that um, really inspired me and that really saw me as their peer, which was so humbling and beautiful. And to become peers with people that were once my professors, to become peers with people that were once, you know, directors of different associations and things. And for me to feel like I was such a baby therapist, literally feeling like just really young, but then also feeling like clinically I was a baby therapist. And it's a gift to be a beginner and it doesn't always feel that way. And sometimes you want to rush the process. You just want to be licensed already and be taken seriously and feel like you know what you're doing. And it's important to not know what you're doing. It's important to be around people that do. And that hands down has been one of the best private practice builders for me. The third piece that really can help you proactively build your future private practice foundation is getting involved, volunteering, joining a board. I would say this has been hands down, like truly a phenomenal opportunity. And I kind of doubled up. So for example, I knew all along when I went to grad school that body image eating disorders was like my going to be one of my niches for sure. And so even in my early days of grad school, I connected with, it's called IDEP, the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. I joined a board for the local chapter and it has been such an incredible opportunity. I'm still connected with it, still on the board. And I've been able to one network because that association is not just for therapists that specialize. It's also for dietitians and psychiatrists and doctors and all of those things. And so I've been able to network in profound ways and link arms with other providers and collaborate on cases and go to incredible trainings. And as a board member, I've been able to do a lot of public speaking and a lot of visibility to kind of spread my name out as well. And not intentionally, but just when you volunteer, when you get involved, you become known and you become a part of the community. And so that has been such a valuable step in my um, experience of deepening my you know, treatment for eating disorders and body image. And then the other piece that was super helpful and still is, is I joined the local association, um, Santa Barbara chapter of camp. And I joined, I want to say five years ago. And I started as the director of pre-licensing, which was really in charge of hosting mixers and trainings for pre-licensed community. So anyone in grad school, trainee, associate, anywhere on the 3000 hour journey, um, and that was great because I got to really cultivate relationships like I was just talking about, like really connect people that were in similar seasons with people that were in different ones and really start really giving what I wish I had, which was a certain type of community locally. And then um, through my experience on the board, I worked my way up into different roles. And then I eventually was vice president and president elect. And then now I serve as the president and I am in my term and I have a, I think a year and a half left of my term and then I'll step into past president. But it has been such an incredible gift. Um, I can't even speak highly enough of it because there's so much I love about it. Like, you know, I talk a lot about being multi-passionate and I talk a lot about um, as therapists, we are multi-passionate. We have different skill sets. And one of my skill sets that I love is leadership and collaboration and team projects, which sounds ridiculous because in grad school, do not give me a team project. I was not a fan of that. But when it comes to clinical work, when it comes to community building, 
I just feel so passionate about building beautiful community and linking arms. And with the board, it has become like such a constant in my clinical experience in terms of a community of like-minded therapists that want to better their profession, that want to give back, that want to create growth and opportunity and connection. And it is such an honor to be able to, you know, pour some of my ideas and some of my heartbeat into that and to encourage guest speakers to come out and to um, really just create like what is oftentimes so isolating in private practice or as a therapist, if you work at an agency, to create a a village of um, opportunity, whether that's continuing education, whether that's job opportunities, whether that's relationship building. But my role on that board has been so prolific in my own growth. And similar to like what I said about my IDEP board, it's unintentional, but when you serve in leadership, people begin to recognize your name. They begin to know you and know what your niche is and know that you're involved in a certain way. And that it can be a gift sometimes. That can be something that is invaluable, you know? And especially, I don't know where y'all live, but I live in Santa Barbara, which is a very small town. So the more connected you can get, the better, because that's more people that you can impact, more people that you can learn from. And it's just an incredible, incredible way to, to use your free time. If you have any, um, the last point that I want to share is if you are pre-licensed or an associate, or maybe you're licensed, but you're considering the leap, I cannot recommend enough forging your digital footprint now. And when I say forging your digital footprint, what I mean is that could be creating a website Um, Maybe you don't make it live. Maybe you're not ready for the world to see it, but creating websites takes so much time. Like there's a lot of details and it can also be easy depending on what platform you use. But if you're not creative in that way, or if that is a learning curve for you, it can be a really kind act to begin that process. Now, one of the things I love about building a website before you're ready to jump is you have the opportunity to like almost create a vision of what you want. Like there's something I guess the example I would give is like when I was engaged and I was going to get married, I didn't feel like I was engaged or I didn't feel like I was going to be a bride until I tried on a wedding dress. And then I was like, whoa, I see myself as a bride. And that's kind of how I would describe um, doing, you know, a website or beginning the process of it is like, if you're not yet licensed, it gives you that like glimmer of hope and it gives you creativity and an ability to then begin finding your voice and how you want to describe your offerings, how you want to write your bio, how you want to specialize in your niche and describe that. So I would definitely consult a lawyer when it comes to this, if you are not licensed, because there are rules and legalities around this. Um, So for example, like I said, always seek someone else's advice outside of mine, because I'm just speaking to my experience. But for example, I um, my therapy practice is called Thrive Therapy, which is a name of a business that's outside of myself. So it wasn't just me using my name, Claire Blakey. So the advice I always received from or was given by the camp lawyers was um, that's misleading. If I'm an associate and I had a business that was live or like a website that was live with that name, that makes it sound like I own this business called Thrive Therapy, which was the eventual goal, right? or Thrive Therapy Santa Barbara. What I did instead is I created my website and I did not have it go live. And so I waited until I was licensed and then I let it go live. And But that created less stress when I was studying for the exam, getting licensed, 
applying for my business license, there's so many different steps that you take later on. So if you can eliminate one of the harder time consuming ones, why not? Also, when I talk about forging a digital footprint, that could also be your social media. That could be creating a business account for your social media. And again, consult the lawyers, but also consult if you're in supervision under someone, make sure that they're comfortable with that and really check in with their agreement with you because you're also representing them when you do that. So you really want to be cognizant and conscientious of that. Another thought to consider that you could potentially do, maybe you don't fully take all of these steps. Something that I learned through the process of starting a private practice is that you also need to be aware of what you name it because you don't want to do a trademark infringement, which would be using someone else's name. And so something that I've learned um, through different businesses I've created and different opportunities is just because a social media handle is free does not mean then use that name for your business or just because a domain like the website is free and you can purchase it doesn't mean it's not already a business somewhere else that's very similar. So that's when it would be important to connect with an attorney or link arms with a CPA and just really get clear on um, making sure you're being in compliance and in integrity with how you're branding yourself. Other things you could do to create a digital footprint, you can use the website or app called Canva. I use that app all the time for social media content and flyers, and you could begin creating flyers. You could begin creating content or create a, a logo or contract out a graphic designer. Maybe even try out softwares. Like maybe you know that you're going to be a very digital practice. And so maybe you do a, a trial for simple practice or you begin getting your systems organized. How are you going to do notes when you are in private practice? How What is your bio going to look like? What are important documents that you're going to need to have? Is that a spreadsheet that you want to create to stay organized for taxes? Is it you finding a list of local bookkeepers or uh, people that you could potentially contract out? Do research, just begin dreaming. And it doesn't have to be always taking the step. It might just be creating a list of all the potential vendors that you might work with. It could be saving logos from other companies that you like as inspiration for whenever you contract out a graphic designer, but allow yourself space to dream it up. And um, like I said, I'm not encouraging you to do a digital footprint if that is against the rules of your state or your licensing process, but there are foundational steps you can do before you launch it. So maybe it's like I said, creating a website and not having it go live or just saving the handles of the social media and not even posting on it, but just knowing I have that handle, I have the password saved somewhere and I know whenever I'm ready, that will be mine. So that could be a step you do too. I will say that everyone's journey is different, but I know for me, I was extremely exhausted um, after I took the clinical exam and there was a split second of joy of like, oh my gosh, I did that. Granted, my advice is I was also five months pregnant when I took it. So maybe this is not everyone's experience. But I just remember feeling so relieved that I'd already built my website, that I'd already done a lot of the research of what, you know, what software I wanted to use. I'd already saved the handles that I had, like just things that just made my life really organized and really easy to transition into those steps. And so it made it less overwhelming. And so I know we're all different, how we work, how we organize ourselves, what's important to us, um, how much DIY we want to do versus how much contracting out. But if you are in the DIY phase, it could be a really kind act for your future self of being, you know, thoughtful and intentional and 
even if you don't do these steps, I just hope that this conversation cultivates and inspires you that yes, there is limitation. Sometimes you just want to be licensed and just start um, your business or your practice. And there are reasons that there are those legalities and those rules. And there's also things you can do proactively to begin building your reputation, to begin building your experience in private practice if you work as an associate under someone, or you find a clinical site that maybe it teaches you some of those skills, you can still learn a lot in your journey. And I'm just encouraging you and I'm excited for you. If you are in that season, the licensing journey can feel long, but it's, it's, it's a marathon. And then one day the marathon's over and you are like, wow, I did that. And um, maybe you're currently licensed in an agency and ready to contemplate the jump or the leap into private practice. So maybe this episode resonates in that way, but wherever you are tuning in from whatever spot in life you are in, um, my biggest encouragement is just to begin messy action, imperfect steps. It doesn't have to be complete. You can do a half check instead of a full check, um, but just start. So thank you for tuning in. I hope this was encouraging and I'm looking forward to connecting again next week. Hi, Flourishing Therapreneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course Flourishing in Private Practice is coming spring 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you're wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and flourish together as therapists and entrepreneurs. As therapreneurs, let's go. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.